Life Uncut podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This episode is recorded on Gadigal land of the Aurora Nation. to another episode of Life Uncut. I'm Laura. And I'm Brittany. And this is our Thursday episode, our Ask Uncut episode, where we answer all your deep, dark and dirty questions, you sickos. They're not sickos. Don't make them feel bad for being sickos. (laughs) No, you are. No, we love our Thursday. We love you guys sliding into the DMs with the questions. We do have a couple of bangers for you today, but we've got some other stuff to get through first. Don't you question my word of banger? Oh, I wasn't. I did listen back to Tuesday's episode and you said frothing twice. And every time I heard it, I was like, yeah, it's like when you used to be all day. That's true. I did. I haven't made that noise in a while. Frothing to me is a great word. Froth Froth. it. Yeah. It just means you really vibe it. I've just retained the word. I'm trying to bring it back. I don't know how everyone feels about it. I don't know how everyone feels about it. I think it's it's very emotive. Like if you froth something, think of how much you just love it. That's the way I think about it. Do you not remember going back when we very first started this podcast and you said frothing and I was like, is that like frothing at the slit? And it made you want to vomit in your mouth. That was like the first episode, wasn't it? Let's try and find that audio and replay it for you guys. You'll die. We probably shouldn't. But also I want to say this. For everybody who writes in questions, there is zero judgment. This is a safe place. This is a place where, you know what, Britt and I come to this with a lot of experience. Uh, We have done some really stupid shit in our past relationships and that is where the advice comes from. It comes from lived and learnt experience. But something I wanted to talk to you guys about every, well, actually it's very sporadic. I would hope that one day we get to a point where we have a day for it. Like it could be a Thursday where producer Keisha drops all the memes or a Wednesday, but every so often it's just whenever she's got like a good stockpile and then she goes on Instagram and dumps all the memes there for We love a dump. We love a dump. Not a relationship dump, a meme dump. I mean, sometimes we love a relationship dump too. Depends on what's been happening. But this is one that uh, has been causing a little bit of a stir. And I have to tell you, I was this how do, what do you say? Is it, I was this many days was, old or was this, I was this, what's the thing? I was this, I was this, yeah, I was this I was years this, old. Okay. I was like, what is the quote? Okay. Um, okay, boomer. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> what's the thing the kids are saying? What do the kids say about the thing? Um, I was this many, <laughs> I was this many decades old when. <laughs> I was this years, this years old? It sounds so dumb. <laughs> Is it this year's old? You are fired. Whatever. I, it was fucking today. It was today. <laughs> today when I found out. I was the, today years old. I was today years old. Let's say that. That You know the Michelin tyres? Yes. You know Michelin tyres? The Michelin man. The little roly-poly Michelin tyre man. Yeah, he was on the ads growing up in our youth. We are pretty old. And you know the Michelin star ratings for restaurants? Yes. Do you know who started that? The reason that it's called the Michelin tires and the Michelin man is because the Michelin brothers who created the tires started the Michelin restaurant rating because they used to like put different restaurants out and say that is a restaurant worth driving to. Mind fucking blown. Is yeah. that real? It's true. I'm, look, I'm on Google right now. The first Michelin star rating was given in 1926. The restaurants, all of which were in France and were awarded a single star if they were deemed a fine dining establishment 
Two stars and your restaurant is excellent. Three stars and your restaurant is worth traveling to. And it's actually for that reason, traveling, that the Michelin brothers, Andre and Edward, started the Michelin Guide back in the 1900s. Mind blown. I thought that was a joke. No, it's true. There you go. A little bit of historical facts. Don't say you don't learn anything on an Ask Uncut episode. Or Life Uncut in general. (laughs) Was that on, what's that source? Google. The internet. How the Michelin Guide made a tire company. I'm sure we just talk about self-educating and self-regulating last episode. Business Insider. Look, I've got some real reliable Wikipedia. We can say that that one could be semi-reliable. Wikipedia is, is fake. No. It's not entirely fake. Anyone I, can add anything on Wikipedia. It I is, pretty you much, never go off Wikipedia. I pretty much finished my university degree because of Wikipedia. Explains a lot. <laughs> I never used my university degree and here I am with the podcast. Anyway, uh, Britt, Britt, you have an update for us. So if you listen to the Tinder Swindler episode, we actually got another little update from Cecilia and Penilla. When we interviewed Cecilia and Penilla, it was pretty interesting for us because they were just off the back of the Netflix series, but there were some parts of their story that hadn't come to an end point and that we didn't have the answers to. But we do have an update on some of the things that we asked them, but we weren't able to get answers to at the time. Yeah, there was, if you did listen at the end of the episode, the girls, we spoke to them for as long as we possibly could because we had so many questions and it got to the point where they were late for the next interview. So we're like, fine, we'll let you go. We're like, do not leave. We are not finished here. We could have done, honestly, that. Do not pass home. It could have been a two-part episode. There were so many things that I was interested in finding out about their story. Yeah, but, you know, we, we only had access to what we had access to, but I did speak to Cecilia afterwards and I just asked her, A, for curiosity, because we wanted an update ourselves, but we wanted to give you an update as well. I did ask her just what had happened to the money. Had she had help from the creditors or the banks or had she had any support? Had she recovered the money she had spent? She sent me a voice message back and this is what she had to say. No, never got the money back that I originally lost. Uh, have never been any support from the banks or finance companies. I was even dragged to court by four banks. So that's another traumatic experience. So I feel very, very strongly about how you're actually handling Fraud victims afterwards as well. It shouldn't be another traumatic incident being called a criminal uh, at your trial when your fraudster is still out there. And what will happen with the GoFundMe money? I hope that I will be able to go into conversations with my creditors uh, regarding the money that got in. So, yeah. Now, on top of that, I thought that this was coming full circle. I've got another update. So these new... These news articles are only really dropping in the last 24 hours. Some of these are only 12 hours young. But Simon Laviv, a.k.a. the Tinder swindler, even though he's saying he's not, he 100% is, he's actually now being sued by his own, in quotations, family. So the actual real original Laviv family that are these billionaire diamond business owners. The people who own LLD Diamonds. The real family that he was impersonating. They are now suing Simon, the Tinder swindler, and they are also suing anyone that was associated with him. They also put a statement out that I think, and I'm going to say allegedly, I think it's cameo, but in a statement by the Lviv's family lawyer, his name is Guy Ofa. He has come out and said, in a series of legal proceedings that the Lviv family has instructed me to take against this crook and his accomplices. In the coming days, a monetary claim will also be filed against the crook and anyone who has been involved in his past and present actions. Similarly, a lawsuit will be filed against the sites that chose to join the crook and allow him to sell paid greetings while exploiting his victims. 
the Lviv family intends to donate the money it obtains to its other victims. So huge, wow. huge, so huge, huge, huge. So they're suing Simon. One can also only assume that they're suing Cameo. And this was the conversation that we had when we did the episode. Like how can a social media platform allow for someone to make money and to capitalise on what they have already done, on the criminal actions that they've made and how they've defrauded someone? It's just so inconscionable. Well, at the end of the day, think of the attention and it's the, I mean, it's attention, but it's negative attention that he has brought to this family, an innocent family that had nothing to do with it. Sure, they're billionaires, but they had nothing to do with it. Their name and business has been spoken about, dragged negatively all over the world. And there will be people that don't follow the updates. There'll be people that hear snippets here and there and they they hear that. It's derogatory towards their company. I think it's amazing that they're doing it and I think it's amazing that they're saying we don't want the money, we're going to give it back to everybody. Hopefully everyone that lost something can recoup. Especially knowing that the women who were affected are still going through these legal battles and are still in so much debt. One more thing that I think is really interesting that I do want to do some research on or if anyone's a lawyer out there and wants to slide into my DMs, what happens in this instance? Okay, it's fair enough for them to say I'm going to sue you and repay people with the money. But if Simon doesn't have any money or that person doesn't have any money, what happens? How do you, like, what happens? If they claim bankruptcy, they don't get anything. So he would have to claim bankruptcy. Right. So at the end of the day, these people probably won't get their money back unless this billionaire company decides to throw them a bone. Pretty much. Anyway, that's your update. Let's now get into Ask Uncut. Laura, have you got a question for me? I do. I really like this week's questions. We have a good mix. Can you be friends with a male that you've just met while you're in a relationship? (laughs) I have been with my partner for two years and only just recently met someone spontaneously for a brief moment one afternoon out with friends. I said I have a partner and that I don't want a relationship and he has said he is happy to be friends. There is another layer. My partner and I have been rocky but completely honest with each other. I don't know what I feel towards my partner at the moment, which is mutual, as we have a few things to work out. But I also want to be friends with someone who I enjoy talking to and have indicated I don't want anything from other than a friendship. Do you think you can become friends with someone of the opposite sex while still in a relationship? (laughs) This is like an onion. This bad boy has some serious layers we need to pull back. It certainly does. I never want to be the person that says you cannot be friends with someone or you cannot be friends with a male. But at the end of the day... Brit's like, you always end up fucking them. <laughs> you will. <laughs> you you got to. There's going to be... Whether you are lying to yourself, there is an attraction there. You've met someone that you're like, we just click. I definitely don't want anything, but I want to spend time with him. Also, my relationship's rocky with my partner. You're going to fuck him or you, you're going to kiss him. Okay, you're gonna de- but Let's you've got to develop an emotional connection at a minimum because that's what happens in any friendship. Female or male? I think that we, okay, let's be real here. I am. Women and men can absolutely be friends and you can meet new people when you're in a relationship. I've met loads of guys like that Matt and I are mutually friends with, you know. Yeah, mutually is the key word. And the other thing in this as well is that there can't be any sexual attraction or chemistry or energy or whatever that is. And especially if you're in a bad place with your partner, I think like you are absolutely playing with danger. The fact that you kind of already had, the fact that you had to have a conversation with this person and be like, oh, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not looking for a relationship and they've agreed to just be friends. And they've said, oh, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, it's alarm bells for me. Like I think that all you're doing is creating a situation that could be really, really problematic. And do you need more friends in your life? Like do you, are you so desperate that you need a new guy friend that you could potentially put yourself in a situation where temptation may be too great? 
like I really want to drive home the fact that I do think guys and girls can be friends, but in specific situations and there can't be emotion involved. Of course, I'm joking when I say you're 100% going to sleep with him. Like that's don't, a, don't fuck all your friends, That's guys. a joke, but <laughs> there's obviously something there. You obviously have some sort of feeling there, even if it's just something that you're drawn to his personality, especially if he's funny, that is very dangerous territory. Anyone that is funny that you have chemistry with is dangerous territory. If your relationship really is rocky, I don't think throwing another new unknown male into the mix is going to help your situation. (laughs) Like it is a recipe for absolute disaster. So I think at a minimum, if you want this person to be friends, maybe all of you go out as a group and your partner comes. If you start saying, I'm going to hang out with some friends to your partner and then it turns out you're going to hang out one-on-one with this guy. Could you imagine if that was in reverse? And that's what I always do. I always put myself in the situation. If my partner was going to hang out with a female. I mean, you ask yourself that. What if your boyfriend said to you, I'm just going to hang out with a friend for a little while and you found out it was a hot, pretty female that he had just met that he was going out. But he's like, I just, we just get along. We're babe. just like, relax. Yeah. yeah. So you would be like, cool. Okay. I just don't know why you would do that. I just think you need to focus on your own relationship or you all hang out in a huge group. Maybe this new person does just want friends and he can be brought into your group as a collective. Totally. I agree with that completely. I think that it needs to be, if you're truly a friend, then it's someone who you can introduce to your partner and there's not going to be any sort of weird, like, well, why are you friends with this? this guy. The other thing that's really important, I think, when you become friends with someone who's of the opposite sex, when you are wanting to be a legitimate friend, not keeping someone there as like a potential person to monkey branch to if your relationship doesn't work out, is you can't speak to them in a way that undermines your current relationship. You can't be telling him that like you guys are going through a rocky patch or telling him that like things in your relationship are hard because if there is sexual chemistry there, all that does is reinforce to him that maybe he's in with a chance and that maybe the friendship isn't so much a friendship, but it's like waiting in the wings of something else. And you guys all know, anyone that follows me, you know that I have male friends. I always have. I was, I was been the biggest tomboy in my entire life. I've always had more male friends than females. But when I was with Jordan, for example, he knew I would hang out with my male friends, but he knew them as well. They were part of the group. He met them immediately when he was here, when we got together. He knew all about them. And these friends have been really long-term life friends. They're not people where I would never say to Jordan, hey, I just met this guy. He's so great. Just going to catch up with him for a hot second while you're on the other side of the world. And he's the exact sort of guy that I would date if we weren't together. But I won't. But I won't. (laughs) I won't be tempted because I have so much self-control. So I think do what you want. But at the end of the day, ask yourself the questions and just think about about what we just spoke about and think about if your partner was doing that to you, how you would feel. And be honest with yourself. Like, are you attracted if you, to yeah, like if you know the temptation's there, are you playing with danger and are you just wanting someone to tell you that it's okay? And that like, oh my God, no girlfriend, guys and girls can be friends. Yes, they absolutely can be, but there is a caveat there. All right, next question. I've been going through a breakup with my partner after five years together. Four years living happily in our home we bought together. There's a lot to unpack. We were happier than ever in 2019, literally on the path to the future we dreamed. He was 100% my penguin. Unfortunately, my partner's father passed away in September of 2019. And this is when things started to turn pretty crappy for us. My partner turned to gambling and drinking as a coping mechanism. I tried everything under the sun to support him, get him the help that he needs, even tried to help him financially. Things escalated and I ended up finding out $20,000 was drained from our redraw on our mortgage. I approached him with kindness and support. He agreed to get help midway through 2020. And then from 2020 to January of 2022, I just continued to be lied to. 
I'm stuck now riding the waves of emotion, feeling like I lost the love of my life and my penguin because he didn't want to get the help he needed, but also hating and questioning myself because what else could I have done? Have I made a mistake breaking up with him? Should I have stayed longer to help? So how long overall was she, did she stay trying to help? Almost two years. Okay. This actually almost an identical situation happened to somebody that I know. This is not them. This was a long time ago now, but exactly the same thing. They'd lost a parent. Uh, It sent them into a spiral and they went into gambling big time. They were dropping a lot of money. It was drinking. It wasn't great. She stuck by him and she really, really helped him for a long time. It was up and down for a little while, but I say a little while, like maybe six months. And then he decided I don't want this. I want to make sure that I have you and, you know, everything works out, which, you know, she was getting to the point where she's like, I can't do this. So he made the decision to say, let's get help and let's move on. And they are the most incredible relationship now. They're married. They've been together. This was years ago. So they really worked through that, but that's because he wanted to make the difference. He He came to, yeah, he came to the table and this is such a gambling and addictions in any form. They're such tricky conversations. And Laura and I, we are not professionals. We cannot comment from any sort of experience. We are not trained in that. But all we can comment on is if we're in that situation or our opinion on the situation. For me, I think it's normal to feel a sense of guilt, especially when you know that someone you've loved, when something didn't work out, firstly, you're always going to feel guilty. Even like my relationship with Jordan. It's just something that doesn't work out. You're always like, could I have done something more? Could we have done something differently? Did we try hard enough? It's it's such a normal question in any relationship. But I think at the end of the day, you stuck around and you've tried for two years. That is a really long time to be offering your support with someone that obviously doesn't want it. They are still draining your money on top of that. So it's not even that they're trying to get help, but they're still taking from you. I think if I was in your situation, I would have done the exact same thing. You've put in a lot of time trying to help him. It was completely detrimental to you in every aspect of your life. And you've decided that it's not the life you wanted for yourself. I think that's 100% okay. I don't think you've done anything wrong. And I really hope you feel no guilt moving forward. Yeah, it's such a hard one, isn't it? Because of course you want to stay and support your loved ones. And I think like you want to be there. You want to make sure that you see them through the trauma or the grief and how long that takes them to overcome it. And I mean, Grief can be so long lasting for so many people, but then it can also morph into other things. And for him, I feel like this grief has morphed into this addiction as well, which is obviously something that he's using to mask the pain. And and there's so many layers to this, which obviously he and you both together probably should be going and seeing and speaking to relationship counselors. Like there is far more to unpack here than what, like you said, Britt, we have the capabilities of doing. But I do think that sometimes we can be buffers for our partners in a relationship. Like we can kind of stop them from really understanding or feeling the full force of what they're doing. And just because you've broken up now in January, we're in March, maybe he will get his shit together. Maybe not having you there will be the realization that he needs, that something really has to fundamentally shift in his life. But he wasn't ready to make those changes because he thought you were always going to stick around. The thing is, is I think once it comes to a point where you've tried everything that you can possibly do, sometimes leaving and giving someone the space, but also making sure obviously they need to have their family and another support system set up around them. But just removing yourself from that environment enough so that there's some change can also help to make someone realize that they need to go and get some extra help or that things are more of a problem than what they actually are acknowledging the problem as well. And I'm not saying it works for everyone, but, and I'm not saying that that's the only reason why you should do this, that you certainly shouldn't stay in a situation 
for so long, like more than two years, just because you feel like you need to take care of somebody else. The worst thing in a relationship is people that stay out of guilt because they feel like they can't leave because, you know, there's something that's bigger keeping them there. What if this happens? What if they do this? You know, guilt is not a reason. Unfortunately, it's not a reason to stay in a relationship. A lot of people use that as a weapon as well to keep people. And I'm not saying that's this situation, but if you leave me, I'm going to do this. Totally. Yeah. I have people that have been in that exact situation. Which is like, incredibly coercive to it do is. something like that. Well, I mean, it is. It's it's a form of, it's actually a form of domestic violence because it is coercive control, but that's not what this situation is. I don't think from what you've told us, but at the end of the day, this is going to sound so cliche, but it's true. We literally get one life. We get to choose the life that we have. Like we are in control of what is in our every in our day to day, who totally. we surround ourselves with, what we're going to do for work, what we want to do. We can work towards that. Currently, your partner is choosing a life and, you know, there are external sources that are putting him on this journey, but you have tried, you have given everything you can to try and redirect his journey, to come back to you, to get back on track. And he's not doing it. What You could stay for another five years, 10 years. You could waste the best part of your life. And I don't want to use the word waste, but it is because you're not living. You're not living the life you want. You are not happy. He's taking from you. He's not, he's not even meeting you halfway. He's not giving you anything. So that's just a question you need to ask yourself. Is this the life I want? Have I done what I can for this human? And is it time to move on? And I feel like everyone's heard this sort of saying, but it's like, you can't help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. Like if he doesn't want the help, if he doesn't recognize that there's a problem here, there's no amount of you saying that there's a problem that's going to change anything. That change has to come internally. And you have a right in every relationship that you're in to feel emotionally and financially secure. So I genuinely think like, do not feel guilt. Of course you can feel sad that the relationship has ended. And of course you can look back on where you were at in 2019 and think like we were so happy and now we're not. But also I think sometimes we don't, you know, when you're with someone, you, you need to experience the full range of what life is. Like this is how he has reacted to losing a parent what about the next time something big happens in your life and something terrible happens? Like we're going to experience loss. We're going to experience grief at all different phases in our life. And maybe this is the first time that as a couple, you've ever experienced any form of challenge or grief. And this is how he has responded to it. So I guess like, you know, sometimes we don't know exactly who that person is until we're put under the biggest amount of pressure. And look, you could always, if you feel really guilty, you can always end this relationship and say to him, I will be still here for you as a friend. If you really need anything, I don't want you to ever feel like you're abandoned. You know, just reach out. You've got my number. You know where to find me. But you need to fill your own cup and you need to have your own oxygen mask and you need to look after yourself first. I love that saying, put your own oxygen mask on before you help others around you. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to the third and last question. This is an interesting one. It's very different. We haven't done anything like this before. It's a very, very lighthearted, but Brit and I disagree. (laughs) So we thought we'd throw it in at the end. So my fiance and I just bought a house. Congratulations. I got a bit excited and purchased a couple of nice paintings by an Australian artist for the lounge and the hallway that I just happened to see online and I really loved the look of. A month later, the paintings arrive and my fiancé does not like them and refuses to let them be on the wall. Note, these are very neutral, pleasant paintings. They're not abstract nude ladies or anything that might even be remotely polarizing. I can't return them and I really, really love them and I want them on my wall and they will re- as they will really make the space. But I know if I try, he will get angry and just take them down. 
<laughs> I can just imagine this situation at the home. She puts it up. He takes it down. Do you have any suggestions of how to tackle this? I feel bad. I should have consulted him in the first place. Sure. I shouldn't have bought them on my own as it is our house and we both live there. But as I said, I just got a bit excited. I just saw them online and I don't want blank walls forever. Can I put them up? Do we live with blank walls? What do we do? And then she finished it by saying, lol. (laughs) (laughs) I think that a lot of couples disagree on home decor. Like a lot of couples. Matt has a particular painting or actually has a couple of them, which no longer live on the walls in our house because I don't like them. And I think that you have to agree, especially if you have just bought a house together. If you just collectively, like you're both so proud of this space. You both love this space. I think it's a pretty bold move to just go and buy centerpiece artworks, multiple of them, and not consult your partner. Yeah, but I think it's equally a bold move to walk in, pull the art off the wall and be like, no, it's not going on the wall. I think they're equally bold. Well, I don't, I don't know. I think it would take someone who clearly hates the painting. And it's funny to me because when you say like, oh, it's neutral, it's not offensive, like art is so subjective. What you think is not offensive, he might think is wildly offensive. Like, No, I know what she means. It uh, She obviously means it's like there's no possible way. It's probably like it's just probably a white thing with a grey line in it. Like there's no – it's not abstract and out of this box. And I I get what she means by that. And I think that that is real point for me where she's like – it's literally the most plain Jane art you could have. It just goes with the house. But I think that this is a good lesson. I think that if you're going to like a, have a combined space where you're like have a shared space, a shared living, and you're a couple, yes, you're allowed to have your own things. Absolutely. But on big, important stuff in the house that's like really dictates the aesthetic of the house, if your partner equally cares about it as much as you do, that's a joint decision. You can't just be just, you can't just be the one that's like, oh, well, like I care about what the couch looks like. So I'm not going to tell you when I bought it. And here it is. This is the couch you're going to sit on for the rest of your life. Look, at the end of the day, I agree. It is your house. You've, I'm going to assume, you know, you've, you've both bought it together. You put the money in together. You definitely need to like your space at the end of the day. And he doesn't like it. So you need to work with that. This is a tough lesson learned. <laughs> But I don't think, I think you come to a compromise. This is what I would say. Okay, wait. Hang on, let me have my compromise. (laughs) My compromise is, what I would say is, I would plead my case. If you really love it, maybe have a tear roll out. Do what you have to do. I would at least like (laughs) manipulate. I'm joking. What I would do is say. Emotionally manipulate the man so that you can keep your painting in the hallway. Yeah. Admit that. Okay. Say, I'm so sorry. I, of course I should have consulted you. They popped up. I was so excited. I'm so excited to be in our new home. I just thought that would be great. And I didn't want the blank walls. I 100% agree that I should have consulted you but I really, really do love them. Can we keep them in the spare room or can we hang them at least in the hallway or somewhere that's not in the major space? Above and the toilet. Yeah. Can we put them in the basement? You can hang, <laughs> you can hang them in the wardrobe. <laughs> exactly. Can we put them in a space that's not so main and statement and together can we pick some up because I don't want this space bare. And I think that that's a really happy meeting because also relationships are about compromise. You still, if you, if you froth this artwork... He can meet you halfway. There's okay. got to be a spare room or an office or a hallway that you can put them in and you can have some big statement art that you both pick together in the living room. I'm going to go deep, psychologically deep on this one. I'm thinking it's not actually even that much about the artwork. I think 
Maybe, yeah, obviously he doesn't like the artwork, but I think it's actually more about the feelings of not being consulted, feeling like- Nah, he hasn't gone that deep. He just doesn't like the art. If Matt went and picked something for our house and didn't ask me, I would feel like he didn't care about my opinion. And I think that that would make me feel a little bit irrelevant. And I'm thinking like, there could be more to this. It could be like- some men are more sensitive than you think. It could be a feeling of like not being included. It could be a feeling of not feeling very respected or like his opinions or what he likes is liked by you. There just could be a little bit more loaded into this than it just being like, I don't like that picture because being like, no, you can't hang it. I'm going to take it down is a very extreme reaction to something. I think. I don't reckon he's gone that deep. I reckon. I, and I You know what doing this podcast makes me think? I reckon we overanalyze stuff. <laughs> I reckon I am. I'm just gonna toot my own horn. I reckon I would be the best partner. Nothing bothers me. Nothing. Like I am so easy going in a relationship. No stress. No jealousy. No control. I don't overthink things. Everything's surface level. I think I'd be amazing because I don't think that there's anything deep here. I think he just doesn't like the art. If my partner did that, I'd be like, oh, let's just put in the spare room. Don't love it. Or like I'd come to compromise. I would, I don't know. Maybe I'm just different. So maybe I can't answer this, but I think you can put, you, you love the art. It's your house too at the end of the day. So yes, maybe you agree on something that goes in the main room and you put it in another room. Or sell it on Facebook marketplace and buy something together. That's what I'd be recommending. No, she doesn't want to sell it. She said that. She loves it. She really, really loves the art. So it has to go somewhere, whether it's the attic or the basement. It goes, that art is being hung somewhere in that house and they can have something they love in the main room. That is also what relationships are, people. They are about compromise. This is true. This is true. Gonna- I want to know what happens with the art in like a week or two. Can you tell me what happens? Does he let you hang the art? in another room of the house. That's what I want to know. I think it's interesting though, that it's the other way around. Cause I do also think that sometimes like women often get more of a say in the aesthetic of the household. Like women often get more of a say in like what ornaments are chosen or what, like just the decor. So like playing into our gender stereotypes here, but like, I definitely have had more, like Matt is like, Matt loves it. Like he will create a PowerPoint presentation of the furniture that we're going to buy. And he styles uh, it together in a mood board. Actually, I remember him doing that when you got the outdoor furniture. I was like, he showed me, I was like, bro, just pick the chair. He was like, it's a game chair. (laughs) And that's also an incredibly considered person. It takes him a really long time to decide on something. So he always makes a PowerPoint presentation. Like three months and 30 women to decide on you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But we, with like our pictures and stuff, like we have a, we had used to have like a feature wall in our house. It was all different pictures and it took months for him to decide on that. Like where they, I point, remember the wall. It got to a point where I was like, you just pick. I don't care anymore. But then when they arrived, I fucking cared. And there was some the that I did not want hung up. Cockatoo, I no, that. I love the cockatoo. It was some of the beach ones were a bit ugly. I thought it was a great feature wall. Thanks. Thanks, (laughs) Well done, Matt. Well done, Matt. (laughs) Anyway, that is it, guys. If you want your question answered and, like, I don't know why you wouldn't because look at how we're bringing the stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Slide into the DMs on Instagram, Life Uncut Podcast on the gram. Also, we have the discussion group. So much magic happens in that discussion group. Some really, really beautiful things, some hilarious things and some thought-provoking things. So that is Facebook Life Uncut Podcast discussion group. And do you know what else you can do? If you want to send us an Ask Uncut, we're also collecting Ask Uncuts. If it's more PG ones, more G-rated Ask Uncuts. Radio version. Radio safe Ask Uncuts that we can answer on our Saturday morning radio show. 
If you want to send one in for that, what you can do is you can actually jump onto your DMs in Instagram Messenger and you can hit the little voice record memo note and send us a voice recording. You'll still be anonymous, but we love to play those from coming from an actual voice. We do. And that is it from us, guys. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your dog, tell your sister, tell your cousin, tell everyone. I've been out of Sam for so long. And share the love because we love love.